0: Hello, I'm Carrie. And I'm Emily. And we are the voices of TARVIS. And what is TARVIS, I hear you cry? Well, TARVIS stands for Timely and Relevant Blogging, Including Sandwiches. It does indeed. And what does that mean, Carrie? That is a blog that we set up just about a year ago now. About historical places that we've been to, um, places of interest, and basically describing them, giving you a run through of them, so that you can make up your mind whether to go there or not. Nine times out of ten, we suggest you do. Yeah, and we give ratings on all different things, from the facilities, to the place itself, to the upkeep, and of course, the cafes. Because that's all important. Definitely. But we decided that we didn't just want to write about things, we wanted to talk about them as well. So we set up a podcast, that you're listening to, which is all about... People, places, historical events, things of interest that we uh, we like to geek out about. Yep, we wanted to get on another
1: platform because nerding about history is what we do best and we wanted another way of doing
0: it. And sharing it with you lovely people. Now, um, you can listen in, obviously. You can also read our blog and get in touch. How can they do that, em? Well,
1: it's using our handle, which is the same for Instagram, Twitter, Facebook and WordPress. And that is at... Tabus History, and Tarbis is all capitals and history
0: is all lowercase. So, come on in, have a listen, drop us a line if you think that there's someone in particular that we should talk about, or, God forbid, we get something wrong. Definitely, if we get something wrong, I want to know. So, sit back, relax, and
1: enjoy Tarbis After, After Hours. Hours. Hey guys! First off, can we say a massive Happy New Year to you all? Happy New Year! It's now 2019, which is insane. Mm-hmm. Um, I still think of thirty years ago being 1970. Yep. But it's not, as both Carrie and I turned 30 this past week or so. So we know that 30 years ago was actually 88 slash 89. Say 88 because I was born two days before. So I know 30 years from ni- 2019 is 1989. But I was just 30. we were right a week apart. Yes. On the cusp. We are a week apart. So we're now 30. So happy birthday, Carrie. Happy birthday, Emily. Uh, (laughs) uh, Secondly, we want to apologise for not uploading for the last two weeks. Mm. We had every intention of uploading, both Christmas Day and New Year's Day. Uh, We'd researched everything. We were going to have them all set up to go. But due to a family bereavement, we've both been slightly indisposed. So there hasn't really been the time to record anything for those two days. But we're back now. And uh, thank you for bearing with us. At the moment, we have no reasons to not be uploading every tuesday
0: yeah we got we got no intentions i mean life does sometimes get in the way
1: yes but but only for really serious things such as a bereavement would we not post yeah
0: but we hope you had a very merry christmas as well uh thirdly and lastly before the podcast begins our lovely little blog that started it all tarvis turned one year old yesterday Yay! And we have been nerding out on history on a media platform for about twelve months. Um, It's been awesome for us, and hopefully educational for you, and awesome for you as well. Um, We visited some awesome places. I mean, they are awesome. Oh yes. Uh, Warwick Castle, Blickling Hall, Castle Rising. Um, I went on a historical cruise around some stunning places, and I blogged about them with Mum instead of him. Sorry, dude. It's fine. Um, We've got loads that we want to fit into twenty nineteen. But more followers and listeners would be amazing. So, if you listen or you're reading us, please like, share, comment, follow us, throw a carrier pigeon, put <laughs> it on an air, a paper airplane and lob it at somebody. Just be like, yo, listen up. Yeah. That's a shameless plug here. Sorry, not sorry. Well, yeah. Or, or read, obviously. If you don't want to listen to us, you can read. Yeah, or read up. Yes.
1: <laughs> so, enough about the present and the future. Mm-hmm. We're here to talk about the past. Woo. But what I need you to do, is I need you to believe that today isn't the 8th of January. Okay. It's actually the 6th. Okay. As uh, so the 6th is 12 days after Christmas, which is known as the Epiphany or the Three Kings Day. And the day after my birthday. It is a day after your birthday. E- and as it's the last day of the Christmas festivities, it means we're still okay to give you the lowdown on all things Saint Nick. Woo! Okay, so that's right folks, this week's Tarbis After Hours is about the main man
0: behind the story of Father Christmas. So, Saint Nicholas... He was a bishop that lived in the 4th century in a place called Myra in Asia Minor in the village of Patara. Um, at the time, the area was Greek and is now on the southeast southern coast of Turkey. Um, he was the only son of parents Theophanes and Nonna um, who'd vowed to dedicate him to God. They were quite pious, quite virtuous people. Um, he was said to have started studying sacred texts at about the age of five. They put him to work early. Yep. Um, however... His parents died in an epidemic whilst he was still young. They were quite wealthy, they left him a lot of money. Now, I'm not entirely sure how much you know of the Bible, being a little Protestant. She's giving me uh, she gave me the stink eye, guys.
1: Yeah. Harry's Catholic, we, might, we have to just say. We're like the... Well, I, I was born it, I'm, yeah. I'm not now. Oh yeah. Well, yeah,
0: I was christened it, but... Yeah. Um, but, in Jesus' words, it is easier for a camel to pass through an eye of the needle than for a rich man to pass through the gates of heaven. So, in keeping with that, um, Nicholas basically gave up his whole inheritance to and used the money to assist needy, sick and suffering. He was also known for giving them secret gifts. I mean, if he's known for it, possibly not that secret. Well, no. No.
1: But that's obviously where Christmas presents and giving yeah. giving gifts at Christmas time comes from that. Exactly.
0: Um, he de- basically dedicated his life to serving God and he was elevated to priesthood, possibly by his uncle, the Bishop of Patara after demonstrating his religious piety. Um, as a priest, Father Nicholas was believed to have shown great leadership, and um, he was respected by a lot of the people that followed him. In AD 300, roughly, give or take, um, Nicholas was then elected to serve as Bishop of Mira. Mira is now um, Demre in Turkey. I'm not entirely sure if I'm saying that right, but I've, I've never been to Turkey. Um, during his life, During his time as Bishop, he actually continued his works by establishing a poorhouse for the homeless, hostelries for travellers and a hospital. Oh. So he really put that money to good use.
1: He really did and he doesn't seem like he used it for any personal gain whatsoever. No. Except they say there are no selfless acts because I bet he felt pretty good doing it. Well yeah, he was doing it to get into heaven. Well yeah, I'm pretty sure he did. He's a saint and all. so. Yeah. But yeah, so um, he was made the Bishop of Myra while still quite a young man. Mm-hmm. Um, Bishop Nicholas became known throughout the land for his generosity to those in need, mm-hmm. um, his love for children, and his concern for sailors and ships.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, one story that I found um, tells of him helping some sailors who were caught in a storm off the coast of Myra, or Turkey. Mm-hmm. Uh, the men were terrified that their ship would sink beneath these like, massive waves during a storm, so they prayed to Saint Nicholas, or Bishop Nicholas, Um, to save them suddenly he appeared on the deck of their ship and ordered the sea to be calm the storm died away and the sailors were able to sail safely to port
0: wow that's a cool story
1: yeah so it shows that even like when he was a saint when he was no longer here when he had died he was still people were praying and he was coming forward to help them
0: but they weren't, I mean, he wasn't always in the good graces, because you found out what happened under Emperor Diocletian, didn't you?
1: Yeah, um, he, under the, um, like you said, Roman Emperor Diocletian, um, he was ruse, ruse, ruthlessly. back in
0: last? Yeah, fine, I just,
1: down, <laughs> I just had some wine, so. Yeah. Um, he persecuted Christians. Um, Bishop Nicholas suffered for his faith, mm-hmm. and he was exiled and imprisoned. Um, the prisons were so full of bishops, priests and deacons, right, that there was no room for real criminals. So murderers, thieves, robbers, they were all getting away with it because prisons were filled with priests, bishops and deacons. Mm. And uh, so it means that crime was definitely on an all-time high at this point in time. And they didn't have police. Nope. Um, but also, persecutions during this time were way raised against Christians that did not comply with the Roman religious practices. hmm uh, prisoners were routinely tortured, chained, and starved, or thrown to face the lions. Yeah. Looking at you, Nero. Mm. Um, the Emperor Constantine realised this, and um, he released the prisoners. And later, during the mm-hmm. um, he put into a law an acceptance of Christianity that reflected his own personal acceptance of
0: Christianity. Now, Constantine is a pretty big historical name as far as Christianity goes. Yes. Um, When he became Emperor Constantine, Nicholas was released with a a load of others, and he returned to preaching only to find his new threat. He then faced the threat of Arianism. Arianism, it was a theological teaching attributed to Arius, who was around roughly between 250 to 336 AD, give or take. Um, And he was a Christian presbyter who came from Alexandria Alexandria in Egypt, one of my favourite places. Um, In simple terms, Arianists believed that there was a time before there was a Christ, and therefore Christ was inferior to God the Father. Um, This teaching denied Christ's divinity and was considered heresy, especially by Bishop Nicholas. Um, In about AD 325, the first ecumenical council was called to preserve the unity of the church that was threatened by completing claims about the nature of Jesus Christ – um, from what we found several sources don't list bishop nicholas as a participant in the first ecumenical court however other sources do say that not only did he attend he staunchly upheld orthodox christian belief and went so far as to slap Arius in the face personally um i, I think we're probably going to go for the slapping thing i i want to believe the face slapping sources
1: were true yeah because you um, know he's got some gumption if he's going to go up and and the face christ like, is not inferior have at the yeah yeah. So, um, we're going to believe that one, personally, yep. for us. Your your beliefs are your own, but I want to believe he uh, slapped him up the face. I believe he smacked my bishop. <laughs> <laughs> that was so off the fly.
0: <laughs> I need more wine. <laughs>
1: I'm going to be saying smack my bishop for the, like, the rest of forever. You would actually say it to a bishop, though. So, uh... <laughs> The next known date for Bishop Nicholas was actually um, his death. Oh. Um This was on December the 6th AD mm-hmm. in about 343.
0: Yeah. We say so, about because records don't always yeah. survive from that time. And dating was different then to how it is now. Because they obviously, they didn't see Jesus as the year zero. No. No.
1: But um, but according to ancient records, Bishop Nicholas was buried in the cathedral at Myra, now modern day Turkey. Don't, don't forget. Mm-hmm. Um, But it is thought that in 1066, before setting sail for England, William the Conqueror prayed to St Nicholas, asking for his conquest conquest to go well. Spoiler. It did. It went quite well. William the Conqueror's conquering went well? It did. (laughs) Wow. Shockingly enough. Um, But anyway, Nicholas's tomb in Myra became a very popular place for pilgrimage. Uh, Because of this, many wars and attacks in the region... um, or because of the many wars and attacks in the region, some Christians were concerned that access to the tomb might become difficult. Mm. So for both the religious and commercial advantages of a major pilgrimage site, the Italian cities of both Venice and Bari Mm -hmm. both wanted to get the Nicholas relics and the bones. They wanted to remove them. Okay. And so both the Venice and Bari were like competing to get them.
0: I've literally got an image in my head of two cardinals just to me, to you, over a skull.
1: Well, not so, not not so much uh, both of them, because in spring ten eighty seven sailors from Bari succeeding succeeded in spiriting away the bones, mm-hmm. taking them straight to Bari, which is a seaport on the southeast coast of Italy. Nice place, Italy. So they won. Um, they built an impressive church over Saint Nicholas's crypt, mm-hmm. and many faithful, like faithful into Christianity, journeyed yeah. to honor the saint. Who had obviously rescued children, prisoners, sailors, his famine victims, and many others through his compassion, generosity, and the countless miracles that attributed to his intercession.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so, the Nicholas Shrine in Bari was one of medieval Europe's great pilgrimage centers, and Nicholas then became known as the saint in Bari. Mm-hmm. And to this day, pilgrims and tourists still visit Bari's great Basilica di San Nicola. Close Basilica. Oh, I tried.
0: You tried? It was a good effort, though. Cheers. Normally I'd just give it to you, but I thought, you
1: know, New Year, new word, trying to speak. You did good. Cheers.
0: <laughs> um, St Nicholas's feast day, December the 6th, is widely celebrated in Europe, and it's kept alive the stories of of his goodness. Um, in Germany and Poland, boys dress as bishops and beg for the poor, and sometimes for themselves. In the Netherlands and Belgium, St. Nicholas arrives on a steamship from Spain to ride a white horse on his gift-giving rounds. Um, December the 6th is still the main day for gift-giving and merrymaking in much of Europe, um, which we kind of covered on the yeah. last one. Um, for example, in the Netherlands, St. Nicholas is celebrated on the 5th, the eve of the day, by sharing sweets thrown in through the door. Um, they have chocolate letters, small gifts, riddles... And Dutch children leave carrots and hay in their shoes for the Saint for his horse, hoping that he will then exchange them for small gifts. Um, simple gift giving in early Advent helps preserve Christmas Day, like for for Christ rather than for gifts. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Christmas traditions and the day itself has changed considerably, especially in England. Um, and most families now give gifts on December the twenty fifth, but we do still have Advent. It does, however, take the form of chocolate calendars now, rather than early gift giving. I still haven't opened all my advent calendar, you know. Well,
1: but you didn't have a chocolate one; you had like a beauty one, didn't I you, did, this year?
0: To be fair, and I kind of stopped on the nineteenth. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's basically Saint Nicholas the person. But how how did he become known as Santa Claus?
1: Well, in the sixteenth century, mostly in Nor- northern Europe after the Reformation, the stories and traditions of Saint Nick became unpopular. I oh, wonder why. Hint, hint. Henry the Eighth still bay though.
0: You do have an unhealthy obsession with Henry VIII.
1: Unhealthy? Well, no, to be fair, apparently when he was younger, he was quite a babe. He's babe. Um, but there was already a tradition of giving gifts at Christmas, and even the king liked presents. So there still needed to be someone who would deliver presents on December 25th. Okay. So, good old Blighty mm. made up Saint Nick Father Christmas, or Old Man Christmas, as a character for middle-aged story plays.
0: Okay, so basically there's a big bearded man that would come in and give little Henry his presents.
1: That's, that's essentially Father Christmas. When you say it like that, it sounds seedy and creepy.
0: I didn't actually mean it to be seedy and creepy. I meant it to be, oh, look at the little kid getting his presents.
1: No, but you said, oh, a weird man with a long beard snuffing to big give... a man
0: with a beard. Oh, yeah, but that's better. <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway. Yeah, um, and in France it would be known as, uh, I'm gonna try, I'm going to try... Pierre Noel?
0: Close. Pierre Noel. It means Father Noel, Father Christmas.
1: <sighs> I might just give it back to you to talk it. No, um, you're doing good, you're doing good. In Austria and Germany, they would call him Christkind, mm-hmm. but he was a golden-haired baby with wings who would symbolise the baby Jesus. So basically a Christmas Cupid. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Um, early USA uh, named him Chris Kringle okay. from... Like Chris Kind, so they mm-hmm. took it from to Chris Kringle, but later when Dutch settlers came to the USA, um, they took the old stories of Saint Nick with them mm-hmm. and so then they combined Saint Nick and Chris Kringle and mm-hmm. thus the name Sinterklaas was born, now known as Santa Claus Makes sense?
0: Yeah, it's like modern pronunciations of Sinterklaas or Santa Claus
1: Yeah, it hurts the brain somewhat when you try and work away how we came from you know old man christmas to santa claus
0: but if you think about how if you think about it through different languages if you kind of pinball off different languages it makes sense
1: yeah so that's how we get santa claus and that's why most people in america do call him santa claus and a lot of us in the uk do tend to call him father christmas Mm. but we still say santa because
0: you know he's we've been americanized we have been americanized yeah um, so that was that was earlier on. So um, he became he had a bit of a resurgence in the Victorian era. Yeah. Thanks to writers, poets, and artists rediscovering the old stories as they do. There's kind of it's not really described as such, but there was sort of a literary renaissance during that. Yeah. Year. Um, in 1823, you had the famous poem "A Visit from St Nicholas," also known as "Twas the Night Before Christmas." And all through the house, nothing was stirring.
1: Not even a mouse, isn't it? No creature is stirring. Not oh, yeah. even a mouse.
0: I don't know. I've never read the poem all the way through. It's the first, like, three lines, Carrie. No. It's not reading it all the way through. I was reading The Christmas Carol instead. What? Charles Dickens rules.
1: He does, but Twas the Night Before
0: Christmas. Everyone knows the first paragraph of Twas the Night Before Christmas. No. <sighs> anyway. Um, that was published in 1823. Um, Dr Clement Clark Moore later claimed he'd written it for his children. However... Some scholars do believe it was actually written by Henry Livingston, Jr., um, who is actually a distant relative of Dr. Moore's wife. Um, The poem describes St. Nicholas with eight reindeer and gives them their names. And then they became really well known in the song Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, which was written in 1949. Now, without looking at our notes...
1: I actually wrote them on the notes without looking at anything on the computer. So the notes are exactly how I wrote them, so I know them. Go on, then. So you've got Donna, dancer, prancer, vixen, Cupid, Comet, Blitzen, which rhyme all nicely, and Rudolph.
0: (laughs) Yep. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Now there is a uh, a, an urban legend that says Santa's red suit was designed by Coca-Cola, and that they now technically own Santa as intellectual property. It is not true. It's not Not true. true. Um, long before Coke had been invented, yeah, yep. we, we just kind of, we just sang horrible histories. Sorry. It's been um, a very long few weeks.
1: <laughs> it really has.
0: But you know what? No, I'm not ashamed.
1: I never said I was ashamed. I'm just saying it's been a long few
0: weeks. So I we've... own it. <laughs> yep, I'm owning that shit. Wait, right, let's focus. Coke. Um, long before Coke was invented, Nicholas had worn bishop's robes, red robes. During Victorian era and times before that, he actually wore a range of colours. So he wore red, green, brown, fur, blue. But red was always his favourite. So, yeah, it's, it's nothing to do with Coca-Cola. I mean, they've obviously taken it and ran with it. Yeah. But it's nothing to do with Coca-Cola originally. Yeah, I think Coca-Cola have even come out
1: and said we did not. Because I think I had heard that Santa wore green until Coca-Cola came. Yeah. But actually, even they've said, no, We it just happened that he wore red. So we've taken him, which is quite good for Coke because they wore yeah. red and white. And Santa and St.
0: Nick wears red and white. So yeah. it just
1: happened to be that way. But no, they, they had nothing to do with it.
0: I mean, they might have added the white fur trimming, Mm. but yeah, not the original red. Um, In 1863, in January, um, New York magazine Harper's Weekly, they published the first illustration of St Nick by a guy called Thomas Nast, and he was actually wearing a Stars and Stripes outfit. Okay. Um, And then over the next 20 years, Nast continued to draw Santa every Christmas, and his works actually were very popular. Um, this is when Santa really started to develop his big tummy and the style of red and white outfit he wears today. Because if if you think back then, he probably would have been quite a, either really skinny because he would have been fasting a lot, or especially in like your more Germanic sort of cultures, he would mm. have been quite a strapping man, you know, um, like a beefy Santa. You That's know, really Santa. weird to Buff think. Buff Santa. <laughs> now, Santa's supposed to look like you know your granddad,
1: who's who's literally a bit tubby because he eats all them mince pies and drinks all that milk or whiskey or. Yeah, or whatever you leave out for Santa.
0: Not biker Santa down the road with a six pack.
1: No, that's weird. Nah, yeah. I can't. Could you imagine thinking, looking at Santa and being like, hmm? No
0: Santa's bad. Hot. No no, no, no bad. No, you can't. That's wrong. That's wrong. Um. Yeah. T- t- so we can we can thank Nast for for his yeah. pot belly design. Um. He basically took his look from historical information about about Santa and the poem A Visit from Saint Nicholas.
1: Oh, so he actually took info from. What we believe Saint Nicholas looked like to create Santa.
0: Yeah. So, ah. So Santa I mean, looks less like Thor, more like Henry VIII in a in a beard. Mm. Bigger beard, white beard. Henry VIII in red. Hmm. Nah.
1: Yeah. Nah. He has to be ginger.
0: Yeah. So
1: that's it. Christmassy podcasts are now over for another eleven months. No. <laughs> yep. Sorry, I wanted to do that with a bit more conviction, but I couldn't. That's fine. But yeah, so Christmas is done. It's over. All that fuss, and it's over. Yeah, and now we're in another year. And by the time we do next Christmas podcasts... Whatever will we talk about? Oh. Krampus. We're literally going to have to start thinking about Christmas in, like, October. Or you're going to have to, because I'm going to be in London for a while.
0: Yeah, you are. You're running off and leaving me. We're going to have to sort that one out as well with the podcast. Oh, that's a story for another time.
1: Yeah, definitely. We, yeah. we should probably not discuss our schedules. Em's going to be in London in summer. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but now it's time for a ridiculous death part of our podcast.
0: Sorry, I'm just the, the idea of you getting mobbed by all of our twelve fans. We've got more than twelve fans, Carrie. <laughs> Sorry, thirteen. <laughs> Stop. We we have. I've got our listeners in Sweden. We love you. And the Philippines. Got listeners in the Philippines.
1: We have listeners in the Philippines.
0: Oh, go Philippines.
1: Hi, Philippines. We love you all. We do. We do.
0: Um,
1: So, like I said, it's time for the ridiculous death part of our podcast. Now, Christmas is never a happy time to lose anyone, trust us. This year we know. But (laughs) by now, you know this feature isn't meant for any seriousness. No. So, this week it goes to Sir William Payne Gilway, He was second baronet. Okay? Mm Don't read down because this one is... Okay, okay, Quite spectacular. So, Sir William Payne Galway was a former British MP for Thirsk mm-hmm. from between 1851 to
0: 1880. Now, Thirsk is in Yorkshire, for yep. anyone listening outside of the country.
1: Yep. And he, England. Yep. And he was a baronet of Hampton Hill in Middlesex from 1831 until his death at 74 in
0: 1881.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. So, on the 19th of December, so it's not quite Christmas but close enough that I can add him to this Christmassy podcast... Um, He sustained several internal injuries.
0: Okay.
1: Um, He fell over while he was out hunting in the parish of Bagby. Okay. Sounds perfectly normal thus far, right?
0: Yeah, these things happen.
1: Yeah, but well, uh, when he fell, his severe internal injuries came from landing on a turnip. (laughs) (laughs) And he died several days later. So, so what? (laughs)
0: Death by root vegetable. <laughs> <laughs>
1: he died from... Fall- he got severe internal injuries from falling on a turnip.
0: I mean, how big was his turnip?
1: <laughs>
0: how far did he fall? How tall was his horse?
1: <laughs> he wasn't on a horse. He was walk- He fell. He fell...
0: He tripped and fell on a turnip. Yeah. He tripped and fell on a turnip. Okay, this this probably has to be the the most ridiculous one so far. I mean, we've had some doozies, but tripping and falling on a turnip. Yeah. I mean...
1: <laughs>
0: what, what what a shitter.
1: Carrie literally had no idea what that was <laughs> until then. I didn't let her read it. Because we like to have some, like, proper reactions. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. That oh. one shall go down in the books.
0: Like he did on a turnip. Down on a turnip? Well, thanks for listening. Thanks again for being patient with us over the past couple of weeks. We do appreciate that. Um, We are now back. Probably noticed. Yep, hello. (laughs) And we will speak to you next Tuesday. As always, any suggestions for shows, let us know in any comment sections on our social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram and WordPress. And we are also looking into getting ourselves up on SoundCloud as well, which might make it easy to access.
1: Yes. And all of our handles are at Tarbis History, Tarbis being in capitals. Yeah. Um, just so it would sort be of easier to have like one platform. Indeed.
0: Yeah. And if you find us, you can look at our lovely
1: faces. You can. Rather so, than just our lovely voices. Yeah, you can put faces to the voices. Yeah. So. But until then, we shall speak with you. Next, next Tuesday.
0: Tuesday. Have Bye. a good week. Bye turn it. <laughs> <laughs>